you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. That's just the best I can do with the old opera voice uh, coming on the show. Thanks for coming on the show and listening with us, folks. 14 years you guys have been with us. We're now going on 1,500 episodes, so we're uh, hitting the new mark there. And uh, we just get better with age. Or, wait, no. It just everything hurts now. So uh, there you go. But we have some amazing insights and wonderful guests, as always, on the show. Uh, the most brilliant thing you can do, though, because sharing is caring. And if you're not sharing, do you really care? Share the show with your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com for it says Chris Foss. Maybe you don't care about your family's friends, and relatives. I don't know. Maybe it's your own business. But uh, if you want to. Whether you like them or not, you can tell them to also go to LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, uh, Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, the Chris Foss Show ports over there as well. Uh, and, you know, Amazon, all those crazy places you can find the Chris Foss Show. Wherever people are surrounding you, and we're telling you to please share the show, and we always certainly enjoy that you guys listen. <laughs> Today we had an amazing gentleman and author, and he's also a doctor on the show. I'm going to be asking him if this looks infected. I don't know what that means, but uh, we'll ask him and see what it is. I always imagine that people that are doctors always have people that walk up to them when they're at parties or when they're just trying to enjoy life and relax. And people walk up to them and go, you're a doctor? Does this look infected? I don't know. It's a really bad callback joke. Um, anyway, uh, he is the author of the newest book that just comes out June 7th, 2023, The Reaper's Dance, 1,000 Days of covid when I first read the title of Reaper's Dance, I thought it was, he was uh, written about Fridays at my house, but I don't know what that means in Vegas. Um, but uh, the Reaper's Dance, One Her Days of COVID, is what we'll be talking about today. His newest book has come out, and you can read it and order up wherever fine books are sold. Uh, Ravi Iyer, doctor, we should say MD or doctor, Dr. Iyer, uh, is the uh, founding physician and president of the Iyer Clinics LMG, a top doctorated practice in Fairfax and Loudoun County, Virginia. And he is the director of clinical research for Loudoun Medical Group and a published physician, scientist, entrepreneur, and inventor. He has several patents on drugs, devices, and supplements with applications in the canine and human fields. He's also the founder and CEO of Active Power, Inc., a nutrition and wellness company. Welcome to the show, Dr. Iyer. How are you? Very good. Thank you for having me on the show, Chris. This is uh, definitely uh, a uh, milestone for you, uh, as always, and a milestone for me, too. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's wonderful to have you. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm in the process of building my um, uh, my platform, my author platform, which should be up live by the end of this month. But you can get me at my clinic at Dr. Iyer at ierclinic.com so if you just go it's i-y-e-r-c-l-i-n-i-c.com 
And you can email me at dryer@ayurclinic.com. There you go. So uh, give us a 30,000 overview of what you, uh, kind of some of your background and what you do as a doctor. So my, I have a very diverse and eclectic background. I trained as a physician in India. I got my physician's license in 1983. Hmm. So this year I have been a physician for 40 years. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, subsequent to that, I... Uh, I broke uh, ways with the traditional mold of going into clinical medicine. I went into research for a good eight to ten years. I, I got a doctoral degree in uh, biochemistry and molecular biology in India uh, from All India Institute. And then I got recruited uh, as a postdoctoral fellow. I was at the Mass General Hospital and Harvard Medical School. Oh, congratulations. Uh, wow. As a fellow. Uh, I was there uh, first at the MGH for three years and then for another uh, year, two years or so at uh, Children's Hospital Dana Farmer. And I, my work was predominantly in the realm of uh, immu uh, immune regulation of uh, the body's ability to fight infections against uh, viruses and uh, difficult to kill bacteria. Mm -hmm. So. So when I finished uh, the fellowship, I happened to come to DC to collect an award. I got a Young Investigator Award in 1980, 80, 1993. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so at the award ceremony, I happened to meet the chairman of the Department of Medicine at George Washington. And long story short, we struck up a conversation. He made an offer. I ex I thought about it, and then I picked, I took up the offer and started my residency as an internal medicine resident at George Washington. Wow! And finished my residency, got my license to practice in Virginia, and uh, relocated to Virginia to start a practice in 1996. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for about a year, I kind of uh, played around with a little bit, and then I started, founded the Ayer Clinic in 1997, uh, and uh, haven't looked back ever since. I, when I was, uh, I started the clinic at a time when everyone was going to group practice, and I branched off, and I decided to do solo because I wanted to practice a kind of medicine. I didn't want to do assembly line medicine. I wanted to do uh, a, a very high uh, value, high intensity, and high um, quality medicine that uh, uh, was not being practiced generally by most people. So, mm -hmm. um, so the first few years was rough. Um, you know, you were trying to do something that was not being reimbursed very well. Uh, and you're trying to give quality, more quality than the market could bear. Mm -hmm. but, uh, so, so you're you on the, what I call the bleeding edge of the curve at that time. Oh. And, uh, and I bled quite a bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so is that bleeding in your guys' yeah. business? What's that about? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of being in the leading edge, you call, you call the it bleeding the bleeding edge. Yeah. yeah. The bleeding edge. Bleeding and bleeding. Uh, that's yeah. the title of my new book on leadership. 
yeah. So that anyway. <laughs> so, but then it worked out because then people started coming because of the quality we were giving, and we grew. Mm. We 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 were able to buy our first office uh, suite, and then over the next few years, we increased our presence to three offices and uh, since 2013 we have been consistently uh, being awarded the top doctor award in northern virginia wow uh, yeah i see that here northern virginia top doctors year after year and stuff uh, yeah it's a it's a it's a peer recognition uh, roughly about 800 physicians uh, are chosen and given that designation out of about 10,000 uh, in Northern Virginia. That's pretty good. I used to get an award for being the worst doctor ever, mainly because I'm not a doctor. But no, that's just a joke. I don't really. <laughs> but no, congratulations. That's quite an award and everything you do. I know something on your website. There's the uh, Dr. Iyer's MyoRub. Am I reading? Can I see? Uh, yeah, my... that's right. That's right. Yeah. What does that do? Well, that's a liniment that I made, and that's actually part of the Active Power company that I started. But um, in 2007, my mom was visiting me, and she was complaining of joint pain, and she mm -hmm. cannot tol she cannot tolerate. Her knee was hurting, and was keeping her up at night, mm -hmm. and um, uh, she can't tolerate ibuprofen. It tears up her stomach. Oh yeah. Uh, so she couldn't use all those medicines. Uh, so I. Since I have a chemistry background and I'm a biochemist, I concocted this liniment out of uh, some herbs and other stuff in the kitchen and, uh, uh, I, you know, tried it uh, on her knee and uh, she felt better and it, uh, and over the next few, few months, I set up a basement lab, very much like Breaking Bad. Uh, oh. I, set, I set up a lab in my basement. Yeah. Now, because I have a chemistry background, I know yeah, how to yeah, do sure. that kind yeah. of shit. I, actually, I know how to do the break. So, how good was the also. meth you made? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> was it blue? <laughs> no. I'm a big fan uh, of Breaking Blood. Yeah, I, 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 I see you like blue a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's blue. a lot going on with the blue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I had one other go on the show, and he's like, you got a lot of blue going on there. Um, so, it's a roll on, huh? It is. It is a roll on, but you can you can you can unscrew the roll on and you can pour a little in your hand and rub it in yeah. to your joint. But it's pretty. It's uh, it uh, it works very well. It works wow. better than most of the other stuff that is there on the market. I also talked to my mom about it. She had her knees replaced and she suffered and a lot and still suffers. It'll uh, after the show. Just send me your postal address and I'll I'll send you something complimentary. That sounds like a good deal. The only yeah. problem was she had an easier place with hips. Wait, that doesn't work. I don't know. It seemed like a funny joke in my head at the time. Um, so let's talk about your latest book. Um, let's get into this. Uh, you wrote the book uh, that's called um, uh, The Reaper's Dance, uh, 1,000 Days of COVID. Now, The Reaper's Dance is usually what we call Fridays around my house in Vegas when I throw a good party. But uh, why did you call the book The Reaper's Dance? And give us a 30,000 review of what it's about. Well, um, during COVID, uh, my clinic 
got transformed overnight from a regular internal medicine practice into Northern Virginia's, uh, one of Northern Virginia's busiest, and we were the first community COVID testing and treatment site oh, wow. in, in that area. And uh, then, uh, so over the next three years, uh, it was a pretty intense experience. And one of the things that uh, became very evident to me uh, going through the entire pandemic experience was this, that our society, not only in the US, but globally, societies were being fractured along fault lines that uh, were being exploited for by unscrupulous people for their own benefit and mm -hmm. and the emotional triggers of of populations were being those buttons were being pressed willy-nilly and uh, there was no one out there who could actually step up and say hey listen you guys are being used you need to understand that you don't need to play the game this way. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so this thought kept coming. And I also saw my 40 years of work being, uh, being unraveled at a very foundational level um, by the forces in society. So it was not so much the virus. The virus was just a symptom. But underlying was this huge fracture of us versus them and mm -hmm. and divisive rhetoric that was being spewed uh, blindly uh, in many ways. So I decided to encapsulate the experience we had at the clinic and write about it in a very um, powerful way to drive the discussion of where do we go? Okay, the pandemic is has come, it has gone. We are left with the, the vestiges of the pandemic as a seasonal flu that is going to sicken you for about a week to 10 days and then you're going to come back. Mm. Uh, that's where the virus is and that's where it's going to head going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, but there were so many open questions about why did it have to be this way? Why did mm -hmm. 1.13 million people have to die in the US? Why did 8 million people have to die globally? Why did it have to be this way? And how how is it that we, we stumbled so badly, not just in one country, but globally in the management of this condition? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, one of the other things that was very evident as I started doing my research was that there is very, very strong emerging evidence that this pandemic was man-made. It, mm. it, it got, it, and now authorities in the U.S., uh, CDC, uh, the National Bureau of uh, Bio Biological Safety, they all are coming out with clear indications that this was a lab accident in a virology lab in the ep epicenter of the virus in China mm -hmm. that resulted in uh, the release of this uh, virus. Mm -hmm. uh, 
that initially infected three of those lab uh, workers uh, and uh, those uh, th those are reports not i'm not saying it it's the wall street journal saying it uh, and then it's not that they're saying it back in 2019 they said it in 2019 20 they said it in 2020 and they said it on june 20th of 2023 mm -hmm. you know uh, barely a month ago they mm -hmm. came out with the name and the photograph of the of the individual who was hospitalized. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, so the the so as I wrote all of this, it became evident to me that I was my uh, book was describing not just the experience of us at the clinic. It was ex describing the experience of our community. Mm -hmm. It was describing the experience of of uh, our, the experts in academia, experience of experts in uh, public policy, politicians, um, ordinary people on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, and it. It took a life of its own. I actually, uh, the book practically wrote itself. I started writing it on December 10th. Mm -hmm. It was complete. It was complete essentially on February 11th. Oh wow! Of, uh, December 10th, 2022. It, I finished it on February 11th, 23, and then between 11th and May, I was uh, February to May. I was just tinkering with it and I was polishing it here and there, but. Uh, and we've sent it for an editorial review and things like that before it before published it out on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what do, what do you tackle in the book? Do you just try and tell the historical history of it or where we went wrong? Um, uh, you, do you try and clarify some facts? What, what's the take on the book that you try and present? Uh, as why as don't I, I I'll read a pa I'll read a passage. Sure. I'll read I'll read, a, I'll, read a, I'll read a powerful passage on, on this. Okay. Um, ICU day 15. Hmm. The nurse steps in to check on the woman in the bed. She's barely visible lying there somewhere beneath the tangled maze of ventilator and intravenous tubing. Above her, a fluorescent green blip dances its way across the screen of a monitor. Yellow numbers glow out readings of pulse, blood pressure, and oxygen saturation level. The room is filled with the low hiss of the ventilator meter. But the woman in ICU bed number five doesn't notice it. She's sedated, deep under a propofol-induced sleep, mm -hmm. blissfully unconscious of the disease that has ravaged her body. Now only the chemical cocktail of the drugs dripping into her veins and the mechanical beat of the ventilator are forcing her life force into a being, a reluctant tenant in a body fast approaching the point of becoming a dwelling incompatible with life. I have been this doc woman's doctor for many years. She did everything right. She isolated, washed hands, covered her face and stayed away from crowds. Her husband, daughter, and son all followed my guidance to a T. Pity that the rest of her friends did not. Too bad the neighbors on her street did not. Somewhere out there, someone had felt they had a greater right to their breath of maskless fresh air. So this 48-year-old beautiful wife and mother 
will have to give up her right to all of her breaths. A 50-year-old man will have to watch the love of his life struggle to give up her ghost through a cell phone video, and a teenage son and daughter will spend the rest of their lives without the breath of a mother fanning their cheeks. Mm. Now, my patients in my clinic had access to much greater comprehensive guidance and knowledge about viral mechanisms and methods of prevention and safety than the White House coronavirus briefings in 2020. Wow. What was tragic was that no one had the courage to call this out. Yeah. The emperor was prancing down Pennsylvania Avenue in naked narcissistic splendor, attended by fawning self-serving courtiers, and no one could turn their stunned gaze from the horrific spectacle long enough to declare the obvious before them all. Everyone kept trying to manage the buffoon in the house in the hope that somehow the damage could be mitigated and contained. From papers that would be whisked away to briefings that would be tailored long before the pandemic, US policy was being crafted by a shadow government of public servant managers who had decided that they had to quietly save America from the Nero at its help. Before all over the world, morgues were overflowing, graveyards were running out of space, the dead were being buried, lying on their sides so graves could be cut narrower and more bodies stacked per square yard of terrain. Globally, a hundred Romes were burning. The fires of hell were blazing and the devil and his minions were dancing in an inferno fueled by a growing field of corpses scythed down by a reaper wearing a crown of spikes. Wow. I love your writing. It's beautiful. It's extraordinary. I mean, it's very poetic. I, I really love how you describe the situation and uh, the verbiage and adjectives that you use. Um, it's really beautiful. I like the way you put it. Yeah. So it, 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 was, it hit us in the clinic at a very visceral level. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it became obvious to me that there were questions that we had as a society to answer with regard to how we deal with the world around us because uh, deforestation and uh, um, global climate change is going to bring more and more of us in contact with wildlife. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are more viruses like this out there that uh, will make the jump from animals to humans, um, with or without human help. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if this is how we are going to deal with the pandemic, uh, we really need to get our act together. That is very true. You know, it, it really became a kind of Lord of the Flies situation. And as yeah. you mentioned the thing, without uh, good leadership at the executive level of our country, um, it really became Lord of the Flies. I mean, I was thinking yeah. just the other day about how all the states had to fight for uh, PPE, what was it, PPE? Yeah. Personal yeah. protection. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was listening to um, the Federalist Papers. And the Federalist Papers um, I've been listening to that were written by Hamilton and, and I think uh, some of the other 
uh, founders that wrote, wrote, wrote a constitution. And they were talking about how one of the great ways of, of making us a country uh, out of all the 13 states that were there at the time was because they could group by uh, for medicines and they could group by for stuff. And I remember yeah. thinking, or thinking, yeah, I remember during COVID, uh, all the states were fighting each other and driving up the price of PPE, um, and they shouldn't have been. There should have been a federal agency buying all that stuff and distributing it. But you know, such was you know. Uh, we, the, we we had the same problem in the clinic, and so what we did was, the PPE uh, that was so priced out of the market was mm -hmm. disposable. So we decided to switch gears. Uh, there was no, there was no shortage of uh, cheap windbreakers and uh, ski pants. Oh wow! Uh, so, so these are polyester material that are impervious uh, and can serve as PPE. So I bought uh, enough for all my staff. Wow! And we we used to wear that and uh, treat our patients, and then at the end of the day, take it off and put it into the laundromat's uh, hot water cycle. And there it is. It's it's clean and it's ready for the next and day. Ski pants would worked as mass. Yeah, uh, not uh, as uh, whole body. Uh, as whole body stuff. Wow. As as whole body overalls. Has body pretty, overalls. Awesome. pretty yep. innovative. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it was kind of like it was kind of like Lord Lord of the Flies, and it certainly, it certainly you know the book Lord of the Flies. It certainly didn't bring out the best of us in some cases. I think I think in some cases it did, some cases it didn't. But I think your point to to you know, uh, most people uh, don't uh, didn't perform too well. You know, maybe we should look at that in the future and see if we can maybe do better. So I talk about that. I talk about mm -hmm. uh, about that uh, mentality of us versus them, mm -hmm. and uh, I talk about it. It comes out of a particular uh, mentality of looking at uh, life as if there's a perpetual shortage of resources. Mm -hmm. So 99% of people live life as if they have to hustle for the things that they want in their life. Otherwise, it'll get away from them. It'll, somebody else will get it and they will lose out in the race. Yeah. And this, uh, they, they approach life as if uh, the things that they want are physical objects uh, bounded by time and space. And uh, therefore, if they don't grab it, somebody else is going to grab it, or it's going to decay, or it is going to disappear, or it'll get consumed, or some in some way it'll go away. Mm -hmm. So I call this the not enough life, like not enough time, not enough money, not enough love, not enough friends, not enough recognition, not enough, not enough, not enough. Everything is not enough. And the not enough life, uh, I describe it as a poverty that can never be filled. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you look at the lives of successful people, of, of people of em enormous power and accomplishment, they don't live their life as if it's a shortage of resources. They live yeah. their life, they look at the things that they accumulate in their life, not as objects, but they look at the relationships that they have to those things. Mm -hmm. And they are focused on the relationship, not on the end goal object acquisition. Uh, this 
And when you do that, what happens is you shift from being a consumer and a hoarder to becoming a steward and a leader. Mm -hmm. The difference between a steward and a leader is they don't approach life from a shortage mentality. They approach life from an abundance mentality. They ab approach mm -hmm. it not from a poverty mindset. They approach it from an abundance mindset. And the abundance is in their attitude, not in the in the actual objects. So when you shift yourself to that abundance mentality, then what happens is automatically you can switch to out of the not enough life to uh, a life that is focused on progress. And you'll also simultaneously shift from an us versus them conversation to a we conversation. Mm. Right now, everything is us or them, us or them. Mm. And what we need to do is we need to move from an us and them. Us and them have to start talking about it as we. Yep. And the we has to include even the animals, the plants, and the nature around us because otherwise nature is going to kill us. That's true. You know, we're starting to see the effects of, you know, all of the things that are going on in the world, like global warming. Uh, you know, right now we're doing this broadcast. 125 degrees yesterday in yeah. Qatar. That is, so, that is measured to be at the outer limit of what is humanly survivable. Jesus. So you can't even go out and try and survive going outdoors or shopping, huh? 125. 125. That just sounds like uh just not fun basically and uh you know we've got climate change with uh you know it, you, you can debate all you want but it's clearly getting hotter yeah. it's clearly you know and sea levels are rising you know, i mean you can right be now, like the frog you can be like the frog in the in the beaker saying oh yeah it's it's getting hot it's getting hot but i ain't gonna jump out yet mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, it, it, you can say what you want about rising sea levels and stuff, but insurers are pulling out of Florida right now. My friends in Florida, they, there's been a, a ton of insurers leaving. Uh, it's getting hard to insure your house and insure your car there because, you know, they're concerned about more storms, more issues, more different things like that. Um, the, water, the water in Florida is, is close to 90 degrees. Oh, wow. So that that's going to translate into more storms, right? Yes. Yeah. There you go. Nine, ninety degree water. Would you would you get into water that's ninety degrees? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd do. How much? How hot is the? I know I I'm in a hot room in the uh, in the sauna, but you know I don't stay in there for very long. I'm twenty minutes, fifteen minutes at the sauna. I think it's two twenty in the sauna. Um, but uh, I don't know how hot the jacuzzi is when I sit in it at night. But uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So you wrote the book. What do you hope people get from reading your book? What do you hope we learn? The number one thing I would like people to learn is uh, that they really need to collaborate. People need to collaborate. Mm. People need. People need to. People need to read up and educate themselves about their surroundings. Uh, they, people need to uh, reach out across the aisle. They, they need to start looking at um, 
human beings as human beings first rather than uh, rather than tribes right mm -hmm. now you right now you have an evangelical tribe you have a baptist tribe you have a muslim tribe you have you have a republican tribe a democrat tribe you have a maga tribe you have a never trump tribe you have an only trump tribe uh, you know it's it's a whole bunch of tribes mm -hmm. uh, and what we need is uh, somewhere along the way is uh, hey man hey hey lady uh, <laughs> are you there somewhere <laughs> yeah we all need to learn to get along someone famously said one time uh, why can't we all just get along um but i love the beautiful way that you uh wrote the prose in the book and uh and talked about it um and 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 brought the humanity into it because i think i think a lot of a lot the of humans first we are first and foremost humans before we even know our names. Mm -hmm. We we are first and foremost humans before we even choose what uh, what religion we will we will adopt and live with. Yeah, uh, and that foundational reality has to be gotten back in touch with. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, otherwise we are doomed. That is the, that is the death now. When humans stop looking at ourselves as humans first, mm -hmm. and uh, we see ourselves first and foremost as an ideology, that is a problem, serious problem. There you go. I like how you nailed that. See, we see each other as an ideology as opposed to humans. Um, you know, I, I know there were people who celebrated people dying during COVID. Um, it sounds like the book, a lot of the book and the stories you have in it are taken from your experience as, as a doctor of medicine and in working in the patients thing. I don't think a lot of people have told that story because, uh, every, you know, every one of the stories. So we have, I have uh, the nonfiction part of it. And then I have the human interest stories. Every human interest story in the book ha comes out of a genuine patient encounter. Mm -hmm. Uh, a real patient. Uh, the names have been changed. Uh, certain scenarios have been changed uh, so that it's not easy to identify. Though the individual people can recognize themselves when they sure. read the book. Sure. And, and, you know, we need stories like this to understand the horror of what went on in these, in, in, in ERs and in hospital, in hospital beds. You know, it, it kind of became it became kind of a thing like with school shootings in this country where people just tune it out and they don't really see the, they don't really see the actual horror and the death and, and, uh, the bodies and everything else. And so it's good that people that witnessed the horror of what went on in, in these things are sharing this. And, and, uh, Chris, yes, there was, there was just a few weeks ago, five men, got crushed to death in the depths of the Atlantic Ocean, mm -hmm. trying to get to the Titanic. Mm -hmm. the, the whole world could relate to the horror of that. Mm -hmm. On the same day as the five people got crushed, the total death toll 
of all the people who died of COVID in the U.S. reached 1.13 million. Holy crap. The, what I'm saying is human beings cannot comprehend 1.13 million. Mm -hmm. They can comprehend five. Mm -hmm. So five appears real because you they can put those five people into their dining table. They can put them in their uh, into their living room and have coffee with those five people and they can relate to five people. Mm -hmm. And it becomes very v difficult to bring out horror when you're talking 1.13 million. Yeah. During COVID, there was a, a, a doctor friend of mine was uh, and I were talking about it. The U.S. had 200,000 more number of deaths because we didn't get our public health policy act together than Canada. Wow. So it is we are not even com we are comparing two advanced societies with good healthcare systems. Canada had 200,000 less deaths and just south of the border the US had 200,000 more deaths. Wow. So so my doctor colleague friend said when you hang one person when you kill one person you hang for murder. When you kill 200,000 it just becomes misguided policy. Yeah. It was interesting to see how you know, uh, politicians, and even now there's deniers of it in the political side, um, uh, you know, could run around and misrepresent stuff and never be held accountable because, I don't know, I guess it's the First Amendment or free speech that prevents them from being held accountable. Yet people died. I mean, you had you had a president, the uh, narcissistic president told people to inject bleach at one point, and people did. Uh there was a couple, I believe, in Florida that that after they heard him say inject bleach, he they went and did it, and uh, what a horror show! And and why isn't someone held liable for that? I mean, it's extraordinary. Well, think about the the, uh, the way our our society is uh, crafted. Life is not fair, uh, and justice, no Wait. matter how much you want it. <laughs> Serious. Yeah. 55 and I'm just getting this message damn it no, life no. is not fair and, and justice does not always prevail but but uh, I do believe uh, there is an accounting that happens uh, I believe that uh, the, uh, the American people are not stupid and an accounting people uh, and, 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 and an accounting was done in 2020 uh, mm -hmm. And uh, and it's still being accounted for, so it doesn't matter. Uh, over time, everything will shake out, uh, and history will be will have its final say. Uh, but at the same time, the average people, the message that I want to get out in this book is that uh, people need to uh, educate themselves. They need mm -hmm. an educa an educated voting population is the surest indicator for a healthy society and uh, our population is not educated that is the one thing that's true there's been a lot of decline in education over 20 30 years my mother was a teacher and she used to complain about how you know budgets were always being drawn back and school sizes were being doubled and triple on her and it was harder to um it was harder to you know educate people and blah 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 um and, and yeah, it seems like the dumber we get, there's, there is the old Carlin, uh, George Carlin adage 
that um uh what is the old adage you know imagine how dumb the average person is and realize that 50 percent of the people are dumber than them so there's that uh i, I love george Carlin. <laughs> he was brilliant his He's, satire is, is unbelievable yeah yeah, it was probably the cocaine. Um, but yeah, he uh, he had a little bit of issue with cocaine for a few years, which probably led to his early untimely death. But uh, no, he, um, uh, you know, it's, there's always the dumb people. But I always assume that we would, in in a dark time, you know, we kind of kumbaya as a as a species a little bit there, uh, at least a little bit. You know, we, we I, you know, we. No, there's some sort of fantasy, I suppose, I had that we were enlightened and that we would behave better in certain times. And really, it was it just became Lord of the Flies in almost a modern sense of people going, you know, completely crazy. I mean, seeing people flip the hell out uh, over stuff, um, just really extraordinary. Um, so anything further you want to tease on the book before we go? Read the book. Um, I got a copy here. Uh -huh. It's available on Amazon. Uh, it's easy. Uh, the, an audiobook version is coming out uh, probably by the end of this week. It should be out on Amazon too. So it's there on Kindle, paperback. Um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's free for you. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, if you are economically disadvantaged and you want to shoot me an email shoot me an email and i'll make sure you get a free copy oh well, that's wonderful that's wonderful help some people out and uh and get everybody going there well thank you very much for coming on the show doc we really appreciate it thank you there you go and give us a dot com so we can find you on the interwebs please um d-r-i-y-e-r -E at I-Y-E-R-C-L-I-N-I-C.com. So Dr. Iyer at IyerClinic.com. And uh, the website is IyerClinic.com. There you go. And we'll uh, have a link for that on the Chris Voss Show as well. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, my audience, for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys because without you... I'd just be sitting here talking to a mic, and no one wants to hear that. I don't know what that means. Anyway, guys, order up where fine books are sold. Uh, it just came available June 7, 2023. The Reaper's Dance. 1,000 Days of COVID. We should have that Blue Oyster Cult song playing at the as a, we roll out of the show. Anyway, folks, uh, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Uh, support us on the social media networks there. We really appreciate it. Go to goodreads.com, Foss, linkedin.com, Foss, youtube.com, Foss, and pick up the Reaper's Dance. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.